Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning as Pastor Elliot has announced that gospel lesson recorded in Luke chapter 3. Jesus disappeared after his birth into the tiny little village of Nazareth in Galilee, and I fear sometimes that we forget him too. Because look, celebration is over, the decorations are all down, it's a new year. Now the church's calendar was developed to help followers of Jesus embed his life as a pattern for our lives of faith. And I've told you before, I've always thought it somewhat clever, whoever thought of it, that the church's calendar is slightly out of sync with the world's calendar because we measure time differently. Our new year began at the end of November with the season of Advent and Christmas, and we've just finished unwrapping God's gift that keeps on giving all year long. As we waited to celebrate Jesus' birth and as we looked forward longingly to his promise coming again in glory to make the whole world right once and for all. Today we step over, as Pastor Elliot has announced, into the season of Epiphany. And its significance and meaning is captured in the title of this sermon series that begins today, Witness the Wonder. Truth be told, Epiphany actually began on Thursday, which was January the 6th, which is the day that's set aside to commemorate the arrival of the wise men from the east who came to visit this newborn king, Jesus. And here we are already at the first Sunday after Epiphany. And so we're here this morning to witness the wonder of Jesus' inauguration, of the, of the kickoff of Jesus' mission to rescue us and his whole creation from the mess that we have made of his world, that he, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, lovingly created for us. And they're all here today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, tucked away in that last two verses of our reading. Something big is happening here. In a world where everything is always coming apart, Jesus comes to put it all back together again for us. This morning I want you to witness the wonder of the heavens opening, the Spirit descending, and the Father speaking. Witness the wonder of the heavens opening. Our reading, this section of Luke's gospel, actually began all the way back at verse 1 with this rather lengthy description of the time that John lived in. Look, John the Baptist's world was a wreck. After the death of Herod the Great, the tiny little nation of Israel had been divided into four regions, each ruled either by a governor like Pontius Pilate or a tetrarch like a monarch, a little king, a quarter king over one of the four regions, 
Men like Herod and Philip, the sons of Herod the Great, but all of them under the thumb of the Roman emperor Tiberius. And Rome had no qualms about meddling with the religious leaders of the day. They moved high priests in and out to keep the peace with here two high priests named when there really only could be one. I was riding home from work this past Thursday on the day of Epiphany, January the 6th, and I was thinking about John the Baptist and the world that, that he lived in. And to be honest with you, I had sort of forgotten, but not very long, for the radio was on, what had happened in the Capitol in Washington, D.C. on that date in 2021. Now, there's lots of opinions. But in the context of being a preacher and connecting what's happening out there in our world to God's Word, it was simply a reminder that political division and struggles for power and control are not the exception, they are the rule. Now, if you add to that Another variant of the COVID virus and the endless stream of news on the number of new cases and hospitalization and its impacts on everything from the jobs report to school attendance, not to mention whatever might be happening in your life personally, for better or for worse. And all of a sudden, the words, people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether or not he might be the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, hit me square between the eyes. Because you see, people are always looking for a Savior, a Messiah, a Christ, something or someone who could rescue us from the mess that this world is and our lives are often in. And where do they look? Conservatism, progressivism, liberalism, socialism, communism. Some look to the economy because money has always been vigorously worshipped as a savior, as a messiah. Others look to science. We launched the James Webb Space Telescope on Christmas Eve with the expectation that it could look further out into the universe than we have ever seen before. And who knows, who knows, maybe we will discover where we came from and how life on this planet started. At least that's what the reports were saying. Look, I need you this morning to remember that heaven and earth were never supposed to, to be separated. That happened all the way back in the beginning when human beings decided that they could do life just fine without their creator. And then the curtain was pulled between us and God's holy of holies presence had we plunged headfirst into the darkness, into the mess that we're in. Now across the course of history, a few have been given glimpses behind the curtain. Ezekiel, one of God's Old Testament prophets, saw the heavens opened 
Stephen, one of Jesus' early followers who was stoned to death while he was proclaiming Jesus as the true Messiah, the only Christ, the real Savior, saw heaven opened and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Today we witness the wonder of the heavens opening for us in Jesus. Because heaven is nothing more nor less than the real presence of God for which we were created. (laughs) It's what every human being is longing for and why they are continuously looking expectantly for any Messiah, for any Christ, for any Savior that might satisfy that longing in their hearts. No matter how often history has clearly shown us that it cannot be found in the economy or in science or in any system of government. Jesus steps onto the stage and for a very brief moment, the heaven opens to declare that he is the only way back into the real presence of God. One of Jesus' followers named John, now not John the Baptist in our text, but John the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, recorded Jesus' own words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And from that same John, who was given a glimpse, his own little glimpse into what awaits us when Jesus comes again in glory in the last book of the Bible, where he talks about a new heaven and a new earth where the real presence of God will be restored permanently. In chapter 21, verse 3 of the Revelation, he writes, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and he will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Today we witness the wonder of heaven opening. The real presence of God being restored to us even now by faith in Jesus, in the bread and the wine of the meal that awaits us at the altar until he comes again in glory and we will have it permanently. Now, I need you to witness the wonder of the Spirit descending in bodily form as a dove. Found it fascinating this week in my study of this text that the only other place in the whole Bible where there is even similar language concerning the Spirit is at the creation. And that language hovering over the face of the waters carries with it this image of a bird, of a dove, if you will, fluttering. Now, do you see what's happening? Jesus' baptism is the beginning of a new creation. 
What happened all the way back at the beginning is happening again. The Holy Spirit is hovering. The Father is speaking. This is too big to even comprehend. The same John that I quoted before started out his whole account of the life of Jesus like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that has been made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. At the first creation, the Father spoke, the creative word went forth and accomplished what he said, and it was so, and it was very good. Here now stands that creative word made flesh, and again the Father speaks, and what he says is good. Witness the wonder of the Father speaking. You are my son with whom I am well pleased. God has found a way to start over in you and in me. Another one of Jesus' first followers named Paul wrote, We are God's workmanship, translate his masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus. And in another place, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Picture Jesus at his baptism like this. All of the people came caked and covered in the filth of their sin, and John preached a baptism of repentance, of admitting that we have not lived perfectly in thought, word, and deed. And when they were baptized, they left their sins in the water so that when Jesus, the beloved Son, with whom the Father is well pleased, is baptized, he takes it all onto himself and leaves his perfect obedience, his righteousness in the water. Jesus carries the load of sin to the cross where he suffers the consequence of the human rejection of God. Darkness descends on Jesus. He experiences the void, the emptiness, the chaos of the absence of God. He is uncreated, if you will, at the cross. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Father is silent. He does not speak. And death grabs Jesus and it drags him down only to discover that it is actually Jesus who has death in his grip so that when Jesus steps out of the grave three days later, he leaves sin and death to rot in the grave where they belong. And all of that becomes yours in the water of your baptism. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In your baptism... 
And every time that you consciously remember it, every time you see, taste, touch, hear, or smell water, the Holy Spirit descends on you. He hovers over you, and you are born again. You become a new creation, and the Father speaks your name, and he says, in Jesus, you are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And the fire, witness the wonder of the heavens opening for you, the Spirit descending on you, and the Father speaking your name. And you will become, you will be transformed into a witness of the wonder that God is working in your life. In all things, purifying you, refining you little by little into the one-of-a-kind, unrepeatable miracle that he created you, that he recreated you to be. Look, the fire comes in the trials and the troubles that are yet to come in this new year. Until Jesus comes again in glory to make the world right once and for all permanently. But my friends, that fire, whatever it might be, cannot hurt you because just as God used the cross to destroy sin and death, God now uses every evil, every hard, every unwanted thing that might happen to us between now and when Jesus comes back again to make us imperishable, to make us fireproof on the last day. Because you see, there is another fire coming. And God wants no one to experience it. We witness the wonder of the heavens opening, the Spirit descending, the Father speaking to transform you and me into His witnesses of the wonder of living by faith in Jesus, no matter what the new year brings, praising Him for the blessings that will surely come and trusting Him in the struggles that will be there too. Amen.